Hello, my name is Tom Longano, and this is Boy Stories. All right, welcome back to the podcast. This is the final episode of season two. Very sad, but we had such a great season. I'm excited to celebrate it with a great story. Before we begin the story, a couple things to go over. First of all, if you're new, because it's the end of season two, this one's going to be the first one, the first episode on the list for a while. So if you've never heard a Boy Stories episode before, I would encourage you to go back and to start from the blue book or the red book and listen to them more in order. But if you want to listen to this just to see what it's like, keep listening. Anyway, just thought I'd flag that right there. There's not going to be another episode for a while. Make sure you subscribe um, on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. A lot of our subscribers use Apple Podcasts, but not all of them. Uh, so subscribe so that when Boy Stories does come back, you'll be the first to know. It'll be downloaded right to your device with Season 3, reading the Green Book of Stories. Very exciting. Um, and also make sure to put your email in on the website so that you can also hear about more Boy Stories information. Uh, speaking of the website, there is a more stories page on the website. So I get asked a lot, two things, two things I get asked. Number one, when's the next boy stories book going to come out? Well, green book of stories is out right now. So it's going to be quite a few months before the next one that there there's that question. The other question is people ask me like, what inspired you to write the stories? Because they like the short stories. They want more similar stories like that. So I created a page on my website called, more short stories. Well, what an original name, Tom. Um, but you can you can find the short stories that inspired boy stories. So a lot of them are very similar to boy stories, and it can keep you ob- occupied. A lot of great reading there for while you're waiting for the next boy stories collection. Okay, just wanted to flag that for you guys. It's on TomLongano.com, which is my website. Green Book of Stories has been selling really well, which is awesome. It sounds like a lot of you have gone out and ordered it, and are reading it, and I'm hearing about it. Uh, and so please leave reviews on Amazon once, you, once you've got it. Um, leave the review. Also, you can hit me up on the contact page at Tom Longano, and you can let me know what you thought about it, because I love hearing from readers. That's why I write, is so that you guys can experience the stories, and then I can hear what you thought about them, and that'll help improve um, for the next volume too. Cause I think about everything that you guys say. It helps me to know what you liked, what you didn't like all of that. These stories are for you. Anyway, that is, I think everything we're going to jump. Oh, one more thing is the signed copies. Some people have asked me about signed copies. Uh, and right now I don't really have a good system of doing that. Hopefully there'll be a better one in place soon and we'll get them running on the website again. But if you would like a signed copy, uh, you can hit me up on the contact portal on my website and I will let you know more details about that. Now, moving on to the story, the poet laureate. I just, I just really enjoy this story on so many levels. Um, it also features one of my favorite philosophers. So there you go. Fun fact. I'm just going to jump right into it and you can enjoy it. Here is the poet laureate. Poetry has the power to inspire and rally entire groups of people, Mr. L explained seriously to his fifth graders. And even Plato, the ancient Athenian philosopher, declared that poets must be banned. He paused for effect. 
banned because they're dangerous. Wow, said Porge. Really? Really, said Mr. L with a smile. I didn't realize Plato was that old, Porge said reflectively. Duh, said Greg. Plato was invented by the Egyptians. Everyone knows that. Yeah, but even the philosophers knew not to eat it, snickered Jake, unlike Greg. That's why he's got problems, Albert laughed. (laughs) Explained so much. Wait, said Mr. L, his smile disappearing. I don't eat Play-Doh, Greg snapped. And if I did, it wouldn't matter, because there are like zero problems with eating it. My mom looked it up, and aside from a small tummy ache, you're fine. His mom had looked it up, then been on a long phone call with his doctor, when she discovered a heap of empty Play-Doh containers in Greg's closet. Apparently, he'd been indulging in the colorful snack every day after school. Wait, but Mr. L? said Jeffrey curiously. What flavor Play-Doh did the philopaters like best? Grape or orange or red berry? Jeffrey, an active connoisseur of Play-Doh cuisine, had assigned flavors to the colors in his Play-Doh collection. The Athenian philosophers did not eat Play-Doh, Mr. L answered angrily. But you just said Plato! Plato! Plato was a man! They ate humans? Jeffrey squealed. Duh, said Greg. Everyone knows the Greeks were cannibals. Don't you listen in history class? The Athenian philosophers ate normal food, snapped Mr. L. They were wise human beings who thought about deep subjects. One of the greatest ones, Plato, P-L-A-T-O, that's his name, Plato, he worried that poetry was dangerous. There was a brief silence. Then, Mr. L was further discouraged to hear giggles from his students. Some philosopher, (laughs) said Albert, scared of a couple words. Uh, oh, look out! It's it's a poem, yelled Porridge, and now everyone laughed. Greeks were so lame, said Greg. The reason, Mr. L went on, his face as red as Jeffrey's favorite flavor, Play-Doh. The reason that Play-Doh did not like poets was that poetry, which we are learning about today in literature, has power. Words can change people's minds and hearts. Plato worried that poems would be used for evil and not good. That poets would use words to undermine their leaders and corrupt the people. Like a supervillain? Said Jeffrey. Sure, Jeffrey, like that, said Mr. L. But a villain whose power is creating words and images. That's the lamest superpower I've ever heard of, snorted Albert. The entire class laughed. Mr. L abandoned his point and decided to finish the lesson. The reason I'm saying this, he said, is because of our new literature assignment. At the word assignment, a groan rose from the audience. Albert rolled his eyes to the ceiling and loudly invoked the heavens against this massive injustice. Still, Mr. L continued, As part of our unit on poetry and its influence on culture, you will each write your own poem and recite it in front of the class for a grade. Mr. L paused and surveyed his students' faces. They did not seem encouraged. 
Rather, they looked like a platoon receiving orders to return to a battle's front lines. But, Mr. L said, clearing his throat and forging on, It'll be fun, because it's a contest. The student who writes the best poem will be named the Poet Laureate. This announcement was met with blank silence. The Poet Laureate, Mr. L explained, is a special honorific title. Whoever wins this will receive this golden star. He held up a sticker that said, You're a superstar. And also, he finished, a free pass for that night's homework. Charlie stopped note-taking to raise his hand. Can the Poet Laureate still do his homework for that night if he doesn't want to fall behind? Charlie asked. Yes, Charlie, said Mr. L. That's fine. The Poet Laureate has a choice to do his homework or not. I wish we were all the Poet Laureate, grumbled Albert. You could be, Albert, said Mr. L. You just have to write the best poem. Mr. L. devoted that week's literature class to the study of rhyme and poetic form. His students were moderately engaged. There was even a slight stir of excitement in the air before Friday's big competition though this stir might also be attributed to the students who desperately scribbled poems during break before the recitations began. How could Mr. L. have known the chaos that would soon ensue from this Pandora's box of his own creation? If only he had heeded his own warning. Though, in his defense, no one could have anticipated what was to come. True and authentic genius in this world is so rare that can we fault Mr. L for not believing it could be found in his very classroom? First to recite was Timmy. My poem is called Bird on the Window Sill, he announced. Then he cleared his throat. <clears throat> there is a bird upon my window sill. I sit and wonder, is it ill? Maybe it is, or maybe it isn't. Could it be a sparrow or maybe a pheasant? Today it's here, tomorrow it's gone. That is my poem. I hope it's not long. Timmy bowed as the class applauded his noble efforts. Mr. L said he did a good job. Timmy resumed his seat with a smile. Okay, who's next? asked Mr. L, ignoring Charlie's raised hand and scanning the room for other volunteers. Albert, how about you? Albert stood and spoke in a dull monotone. Roses are red and violets are blue. I like poetry. How about you? He ended with a hopeful smile. But Mr. L frowned. Albert had clearly composed his masterpiece just five minutes before class. Anyone who might have put a little more effort into their poem said Mr. L, still ignoring Charlie. His eyes settled on Jake. Go on, Jake, he said. Jake stood at the front of the room with his hands behind his back and his face blank as he recited his composition. The sun is hot today. I want to go outside and play. Instead, I have to write a poem, so I'm stuck inside at home. The children laugh and have such fun. But here I sit upon my bum. They play games like basketball. I want to go answer their call. 
We could frolic, play on the grass, but homework's such a pain in the feet. Jake took a deep bow as the class applauded. Jeffrey snickered, whispering to Porridge that Jake didn't really know how to rhyme. He couldn't understand why Mr. L was glaring as Jake resumed his seat. Jake, see me after school, Mr. L said coldly. Jake nodded and sunk down in his chair. Mr. L might have gone further, but he didn't want to draw more attention than was needed to Jake's transgression. So, without further comment, and tired of the mockery being made of his worthwhile assignment, Mr. L called on Charlie. Charlie jumped up. Given the quality of the submissions thus far, he felt secure in his victory. The name of my original composition, he announced confidently, is Lady Willow. He coughed, straightened, then performed his recitation with a slight British accent. Twas evening on the darkest noon, wherein the willow spied the moon, and bent her golden boughs within the silvered river's gleaming shin. O Lady Willow, whither art thou weeping, where there be toadstools softly sleeping? Thy graceful ease transcends mere trees in treasured secret of thy keeping. Weep on, sweet willow, weep ever on, ere night could hope to fight the dawn, and thy sweet summer of spring's bloom will last beyond thy darkest doom. Hark and heed now the willow's weaving tale, lest in jest, fool, thy drowsy dreams doth fail. Charlie froze after he finished, the fingers on one hand having formed a dramatic claw. Then he dropped his arm and bowed to his classmates and his teacher, having made his elegant point. Mr. L applauded loudly. The rest of the class blinked and clapped a couple times. It was clear to everyone that Charlie would win the competition for the uncontested fact that no one understood his poem. Leo recited a choppy limerick. Greg grunted out some lines about kickball being fun. Then, finally, it was Jeffrey's turn. Jeffrey stood. He couldn't beat Charlie. He knew this. How could his meager poem compare to Charlie's willows and toadstools and drowsy dreams? But Jeffrey was going to try. Ever since the assignment was announced, he had spent every spare hour crafting his poem. He locked himself in his room like a crazed scientist in a lab, writing and rewriting, drafting and redrafting, crumpling paper after paper. He ran every line over and over in his head, tasted each rhyme, repeated it out loud, and rolled it around on his tongue like an ornate dish or a new flavor of Play-Doh. Frustrated by his thwarted pursuit of perfection, he cursed the growing heap of balled-up papers and despaired that his meager efforts could never match the ideal of the poetic muse for which he strove. But in all this unceasing labor, Jeffrey struggled closer and closer to a breakthrough. Suddenly, the night before the big competition, it hit him. He scribbled out the final words of his final line in one burst of creative energy. Then he collapsed on his bed and slept. 
This morning, Jeffrey had been an emotional wreck. He read his poem over and hated every syllable. He wanted to burn it. He wanted to stay home from school, but his mom wouldn't let him. So Jeffrey decided he was no coward. Though he had lost faith in his creation, he would recite it for the class nonetheless. This was the dearest and most important work of his entire life to date. In fact, though at the outside of Jeffrey's life one can only speculate, it might have been the most important thing Jeffrey would ever write. Then Charlie recited his poem, and any hope that Jeffrey had as to becoming the honored poet laureate was immediately shattered. Still, he would recite his measly little poem. As he surveyed the faces of his classmates while he stood at the front of the room and caught his breath, Jeffrey felt an odd sense of calm. He wasn't nervous, he was ready. He took a deep breath and began. Yellow banana and wrinkly old grandma shared a mushy green pile of peas. The banana got fat and old grandma went splat when monkey Joe fell from his tree. Jeffrey finished. Silence. He gave a sort of shrug and was about to resume his seat when Greg yelled out, What was that? My poem, said Jeffrey and blinked. Did you write that? Yes, said Jeffrey. Sweet heavens said Albert. The man's a genius. Me? said Jeffrey. Again, demanded Leo. Say it again. Jeffrey said it again. The yellow banana and wrinkly old grandma shared a mushy green pile of peas. The banana got fat and old grandma went splat when Monkey Joe fell from his tree. Brilliant, said Jake. Again, screamed Leo. As Jeffrey recited his poem a third time, members of the class began to join in. He said it a fourth time and now most of the class knew it. On the fifth time, they chanted it together from memory, smacking their desks in time, especially on the splat, and adding a yippee at the end after tree. If Mr. L realized his error, it was already too late. In vain did he try to silence his class, to hear the next aspiring poet's creation. In vain did he order them to settle down. Then it was time for break. Mr. L allowed the class to disperse with Jeffrey's powerful and sonorous work echoing in their ears. The boys marched out, chanting in unison, and the plight of the yellow banana and wrinkly old grandma was shared with the entire 5th, 4th, and 3rd grades. Mr. M banged on Mr. L's door 10 minutes later, before bursting in with a wild look on his face. What is this Monkey Joe? he cried out. Monkey Joe? said Mr. L. Your class, snapped Mr. M. The boys say it came from your class. Oh, you mean that, said Mr. L. Jeffrey wrote a poem. A poem? Uh, Mr. M glanced all around, then ran to the window. This is not just a poem, he said. See what's going on. Look! Mr. L put down his book and joined Mr. M at the window. His jaw dropped. I've never seen anything like it, he muttered. Neither have I, said Mr. M, his voice grave. All the boys in all three grades stood on the field, but there was not a single ball to be found. Instead, the boys stood in a wide circle, their arms on each other's shoulders, swaying side to side in rhythmic motion. 
In the center stood Leo, Greg, and Jake, conducting the action. As one voice, the boys in the school chanted. Before he slid open the window, Mr. L already knew what he would hear, but he had to make sure. Shared a mushy green pile of peas. The banana gone fat, and Mr. M snapped the window down. So this is what you teach your class in literature, he said, to write about mushy peas and fat bananas? Mr. L squinted at the field. One boy was not involved in the chanting. Jeffrey sat on a picnic table, watching, just as dumbfounded as the teachers. What does it mean? said Mr. L to himself. I really don't know, said Mr. M. I can picture a banana being fat. But I can't imagine a banana getting fat off the consumption of mushy peas. In fact, the mere thought of a banana eating peas is entirely uncalled for, let alone splitting those peas with a wrinkly old grandma. No, what does it mean that they're all so obsessed with it? Said Mr. L, angry despite himself. He'd tried his entire teaching career to inspire boys. And here, Jeffrey had done it with the silliest bit of nonsense he'd ever heard. No idea, said Mr. M. Just make it stop. He left and called for break to end. As he did so, the boys let out one last yippee, then charged the picnic table, grabbing Jeffrey and hoisting him on their shoulders as they marched back to class. Next period was time to announce the poet laureate. Many of you submitted excellent work said Mr. L in front of the board, holding the Poet Laureate's ceremonial gold sticker. This was a difficult decision, but this poet clearly put a lot of hard work into his submission. Jeffrey shivered. Could it be? Could he actually win so prestigious an award? Sure, he had the popular opinion on his side, but Jeffrey knew this was no democracy. As impressed as I was with everyone's poems, Mr. L continued, only one student can be the laureate of the classroom. The poet laureate is a cultural leader, representative of the high ideals we strive for every day. I'm honored to present this special award to Charlie. Jeffrey sighed. He felt silly to have even dreamed of scaling such heights as that of the class poet laureate. He prepared to applaud Charlie and smile nonetheless. How could Monkey Joe possibly contend with the likes of Lady Willow? But, to Jeffrey's astonishment, something strange happened. Charlie didn't move. I'm sorry, sir, said Leo, raising his hand, but there must be some mistake. There's no mistake, said Mr. L flatly. Charlie's poem was best, sir. Leo persisted. The poet laureate should represent the people. Charlie doesn't speak for me, Albert said. Nor me, said Jake. I forgot Charlie's poem already, said Porge. No offense, Charlie. But what I don't forget is enough, said Mr. L, with maybe more force than intended. I made my decision, and that's final. Charlie, come get your sticker. Charlie stayed put. The Poet Laureate should have his finger on the pulse of the rising generation, Leo explained. He inspires them to action. Yes, I'm glad you were paying attention, Leo, 
said Mr. L. Charlie's going to inspire people. I'm sure. Come on. Charlie, get your sticker. Um, sir, said Charlie in a small voice. I pass. You better, said Albert under his breath. Pass? asked Mr. L. What do you mean? I withdraw Lady Willow from consideration. I forfeit. Too late. You already won. There you go. Mr. L stomped up the row and slapped the sticker on Charlie's desk. Congratulations, he said. Charlie looked at the sticker as though it was infected. He didn't speak. Leo raised his hand again, and Mr. L pretended not to notice. Uh, That's that for Poet Laureate, he said briskly. Anyway, time to move on to our next creative writing. I protest. Mr. L's eyebrows shot up. Albert rose from his desk, fists balled at his sides. I'm sorry, Mr. L said. What did you say? I refuse to accept the results of this competition, announced Albert gravely, and I protest. Mr. L had dealt with missing homework. He dealt with cheating on tests. He'd dealt with bullying, name-calling, and fight-picking, but never in his entire teaching career had he encountered open protest. I don't think it's up to you, Albert, said Mr. L quietly. Now please sit down. If I have to say it again, I won't be asking nicely. I stand with Albert, Greg cried out, jumping up from his chair. I protest. So do I, said Jake, standing. One by one, the students followed. Even Charlie stood, trembling to his feet. Mr. L looked at him as if to say, Et tu, Charlie? The only student left sitting was Jeffrey. Jeffrey looked around with wide eyes. Could this possibly mean what he thought it meant? Could they all now be standing for his poem? Okay, Albert, said Mr. L, turning to the instigator of the protest. Why don't you speak for those protesting? Who do you think should have won the award? You know who deserves that title, replied Albert in a low voice. There is only one man in this class worthy of the name Poet Laureate. You mean boy, said Mr. L. Who, besides Charlie? Timmy? No, said Albert. I can't imagine who you're talking about, said Mr. L, glaring at him. There was a moment of silence. Albert looked gravely around the room at his protesting peers. Then he fixed his gaze on Mr. L. The yellow banana, he began in a whisper. And wrinkly old grandma, said Leo. She had a mushy green pile of peas, said Porridge and Jake. The banana got fat, said Greg. And old grandma went splat, said Timmy. When, all together, the boys shouted... Then Monkey Joe fell from his tree. Yippee! Squealed Porridge. And they chanted it over, in unison this time, pounding their desks as they did so. The yellow banana and wrinkly old grandma shared a mushy green pile of peas. The banana got fat and old grandma went splat when Monkey Joe fell from his tree. Yippee! Jeffrey could hardly believe his ears. They really liked his poem. They really wanted him to be the poet laureate. Aw, 
Thanks, guys, he said. They continued chanting. The poem gave the students new energy, new confidence, new power. Greg and Jake pulled Jeffrey from his seat and pushed him to the front of the room. Charlie rushed over, not looking at Mr. L, and stuck the I'm a superstar sticker right onto Jeffrey's shirt. Jeffrey blushed. He raised both hands. And as he did so, the boys fell silent. During the chanting, Mr. L had moved back to his desk. He sat and waited for them to expend their energy, ready to dole out the appropriate punishments when they finished. Now his gaze was focused on Jeffrey, as if daring him to speak. Jeffrey cleared his throat. <clears throat> Fellow classmates, he said, and got no further. His comments were met with ear-splitting screams of approval and thunderous applause. It was a full minute before the chants of Long live the poet laureate! Long live the poet laureate! died down. I accept this great, great honor with both surprise, Jeffrey said, and joy. It has been my life's dream to write something, anything, of value. I guess in my own small, very humble little way on this day, I have succeeded. He took a gracious bow. The applause and whistling was even louder than before. Mr. L saw the clock and stood up. They'd wasted enough time. All right, boys, that's enough, he said briskly. Jeffrey, sit down. You are not the Poet Laureate. What? said Jake. The Poet Laureate is Charlie, continued Mr. L, regardless of whatever anyone else thinks or says. Now, Charlie, as Poet Laureate, you have the choice to skip your homework for the night. Would you like to skip it or do it? There was shocked silence in the room. Jeffrey moved back to his seat, sat, and stared at his desk. Charlie bit his lip. Well, Charlie, what will it be? said Mr. L. I don't have all day. I'll do my homework, mumbled Charlie. Great, said Mr. L. So that's that. <clears throat> Moving on. Oh, uh, actually, before I go to our next assignment, I'd like to say this. I'm very pleased that so many of you are fans of a fellow student's work. Unfortunately, that poem is nonsensical, and if I hear any line of it spoken inside this classroom, it will mean immediate detention. Understood? No one spoke. Good. Now let's move on. One of the greatest poets of all time was William Shakespeare, who... Excuse me, why is no one taking notes? Notebooks and pencils appeared on desks. The atmosphere in the room was tense. Mr. L read paragraphs from a children's biography of William Shakespeare as the boys scribbled on their papers. He was surprised and edified to hear so many of them writing as he spoke. This was certainly an improvement. Maybe they'd expended all their rebellious energy during the chanting. He commended himself on his disciplinary aptitude and his effective suppression of the sudden and uncalled-for insurrection. Then he paused from his reading to write a date on the board. As he did so, he heard the scribbling continue. He froze, a shadow of doubt entering his head. Sure enough, an examination of Albert's, then Timmy's, then Porges, then Jake's notebooks all revealed the same message. The yellow banana and wrinkly old grandma, and so on and so on, shouted back at him from every page. Greg had drawn a colorful representation of Monkey Joe, his tree, and the old grandma going splat. I thought 
I said, Mr. L tried to control the volume of his voice, that you are not to mention that poem in this classroom. Well, sir, said Albert, you said not to speak of it. We were writing it, explained Timmy. Enough, Mr. L roared. Nothing about bananas or grandmas in my classroom. Got it? The boys nodded. Unfortunately for Mr. L, the blanket ban on Jeffrey's masterpiece did nothing to stop the class's enthusiasm. Now, not only was the poem just as exciting and catchy as ever, it had a new delicious characteristic. It was forbidden. The second the boys were released for next break, as soon as they stepped beyond the repressive classroom's bounds, they took up the chant at the top of their lungs. There was nothing Mr. L could do but watch. Nor did it stop there. Every break in lineup, every lunchtime, Mr. L heard an endless cycle of bananas and grandmas and mushy peas. He tried to block it out. He told himself they would get tired and move on. But the craze continued. Each break, crowds of boys from all grades gathered around Jeffrey to ask interpretive questions such as the height and weight of Monkey Joe and the ultimate fate of the wrinkly old grandma. Did she survive going splat? Jeffrey assured them that she did not. Mr. L began to get calls of complaint not just from other teachers but from concerned parents who considered poems about bananas getting fat and grandmas going splat to be offensive and inappropriate. Was this the quality of the poems he instructed his students to memorize in literature class? Mr. L informed these parents that the poem was banned at school, and the parents replied that it would likewise be banned at home. This, of course, made it even more exciting. Mr. L became desperate. He had walked into his classroom and for the third time that week found a picture of Monkey Joe's face grinning back at him from the board. Lines of the poem were etched everywhere, from notebooks to slips of paper to trees in the woods. This was not a passing fad. This was a full-scale poetic revolution. He needed to do something drastic. He called Jeffrey to his desk during break. Uh, sorry, sir, said Jeffrey. Am I in trouble? No, Jeffrey. <clears throat> You're not, replied Mr. L in a tired voice. Okay. Jeffrey relaxed a bit. You wanted to see me? I, um, said Mr. L. This was difficult for him. I'd like to ask for your help. My help? Yes. You enjoy a considerable amount of, uh, influence among your classmates. This was true. Since the release of Jeffrey's poem, his social life had taken a glorious turn for the better. He was invited to every birthday party held by any 5th or even 4th grader at the school. 3rd graders routinely approached him and asked for autographs. Everywhere he went, a crowd of admirers followed and hung upon his every word. During gym class, he was picked first for every game. Not because he was good, but because of the immediate social credit gained from having Jeffrey on one's team. Ah, uh, I do have some friends, said Jeffrey humbly. I suppose. Some friends, said Mr. L. Jeffrey, you're the most popular boy in the whole elementary school. Well, sir, 
To be honest, I have you to thank for that, said Geoffrey. You encouraged me to become a poet. I guess I did, said Mr. L, wishing very much that he hadn't. I never would have pursued my dreams, Geoffrey went on, if not for your excellent and inspiring lessons. So, thank you. You're welcome. Anything that I can do for you, a small token of my gratitude, Geoffrey assured his teacher earnestly. I tell you, sir, it will be done. I need you to stop being a poet. Sorry? It's not working out. The school's going crazy. The teachers, the parents, even the principal. Look, Jeffrey, I need you to use your influence to make the boys stop. Stop chanting your poem. Tell them to say something else. Anything else. Please. Jeffrey stared at Mr. L, astonished. This was the one thing he could not do. Jeffrey, pleaded Mr. L, they listen to you. I'm sorry, said Jeffrey briskly, but what you ask is impossible. My poem has a life of its own. It is beyond me or you or any of us. Even if I told them to stop, they wouldn't listen. Mr. L considered this. Jeffrey was probably right. So Mr. L sighed. There was only one way he knew how to end this madness, and for him, it was the least desirable. All right, he said sadly. I thought you might say something like that. I have no other choice. Mr. L stood. Jeffrey looked at him, curious. No other choice, but what? You'll see. Mr. L held out a hand. Well played, Jeffrey, he said. Well played. They shook hands, then Jeffrey left the classroom, confused. Mr. L prepared himself for next period's literature class. Gentlemen, he announced, I have an apology to make. There was a Twitter of conversation, which was quickly quieted by eager students wanting to hear what Mr. L had to say. Most had never heard an adult willingly apologize before, let alone a teacher. You see, Mr. L continued, I was wrong. I thought Jeffrey's poem was ridiculous and silly. But I've changed my mind. I would like to award Jeffrey the title of Poet Laureate for his brilliant contribution to the educational culture of the classroom. The boys didn't know what to do. They looked at one another in shock. Porridge started clapping, but quickly stopped. I, um, I accept, said Jeffrey. Now, Mr. L went on, I'd like to lift the ban on this wonderful poem once and for all. In fact, we are going to devote this entire lesson to the careful study of Jeffrey's work. Everyone take out your notebooks. The notebooks were open to fresh pages. Mr. L wrote on the board while reciting for all to hear, The Yellow Banana and Wrinkly Old Grandma. He instructed every student to copy the poem. Twice. Albert raised his hand and wondered if they had to. Mr. L said yes, they did. Then, for the remainder of the 40-minute class, he circled words and phrases from the poem on the board, analyzing them and asking questions. He pointed out the rhyme scheme, the internal rhymes of banana and grandma, 
and fat and splat, along with the end rhymes, peas and tree. He scanned the lines on the board, breaking down each word into short and long syllables so the boys could grasp the meter. He then embarked on an exhaustive lecture about the poem's themes and imagery. What did the banana represent? And why was it yellow? Could the grandma stand for an idea of old age and a notion that we all must one day die, a notion that the youthful, plump, yellow banana cannot yet recognize? What did it mean that the grandma perished before her time? Sure, she lived a long and happy life and feasted regularly on mushy peas, but to die a painful death and not of old age, surely the poet was communicating something about the surprise in store for all of us, even the most vulnerable when facing our inescapable mortality. And, most importantly, who was this Monkey Joe? Why did the poet wait to introduce him until the final line? If Monkey Joe was a landowner, he did, after all, own the tree, was it not reasonable to suppose he also owned the pile of peas? If that was the case, then Monkey Joe might represent an omnipotent but not benevolent deity, a god who owns all and bestows in abundance, yet also takes away. Speculation about the mythology of Monkey Joe really got Mr. L going. For a good ten minutes, he opined about how the cold, indifferent hand of fate expressed itself in the mysterious figure of Monkey Joe. Then he assigned a three-sentence short response question for homework, asking his students to write about Jeffrey's poem and the fragility of beauty. Because, he said, the wrinkly old grandma was once a young woman. The banana would grow old and moldy. What did it mean for them to share a mushy pile of peas? What was the impact on the reader of the abrupt and jarring splat? He encouraged his students to take up any of these intriguing interpretive questions, and their response was due the next morning. Albert shoved Jeffrey on his way out of the classroom, complaining about his dumb poem. The boys left chatting about kickball and other things. No one in the class recited Jeffrey's poem ever again. Mr. L watched them go with a heavy heart. He knew he had sacrificed his dignity as an educator and as a leader of men. Still, he consoled himself with this. Even though he didn't have the power of the poet, he did have the power of the teacher. He walked back to the board. In the corner of his eye, he saw Jeffrey pressed against the window, watching. Both knew this would be the last time they saw the poem. But maybe, just maybe, it would live on. Somewhere. Mr. L lifted the board cleaner and began to erase. The yellow banana and wrinkly old grandma shared a mushy green pile of peas. The banana got fat and the old grandma went splat when Monkey Joe fell from his tree. Yippee, said Jeffrey softly to himself, turning away and walking up to the parking lot. Yippee. And that is the end of the Red Book of Stories. Remember, the Red Book of Stories, the Blue Book, and then also now the Green Book are all available on Amazon.com. Go get your copies there and you can read it as many times as you want. I have a short interview today um, with two of our favorite little podcast guests. We have... Excuse me, little? 
I, I, I don't. Okay, I knew. It's, sorry. Um, big. Is that better? Mm-hmm. That's fine. So, do I still have to introduce you, or do you want to introduce? I'm Jeffrey, and I'm excited to be here, but I'm also kind of sad because it's the last episode of the season, and I want to do another one. Okay, well, there's also another person here. There's Albert. You want to say hi? Hello. I am here, as usual, against my will. But I am glad it's the last episode of the season. But if the, if it's the last episode, it means that we can't have other... Like, okay, uh, Mr. Tom, I really want to do Jeffrey Reviews the Reviewers, and I think everyone wants me to do that. Okay, well, we did that We did that last season. But, the, but there are so many more reviews, so I need to review them. And, like, they need to know if they're doing a good job reviewing so that they can leave more and they can be better. Well, do you, do you think they were doing a... I think they, there are some awesome reviews. Like, I read the reviews. I really... Albert, do you read the reviews? No. Not not even... Nope. I do not read any of the reviews. I don't... I don't really read. You know? So, why would I... Why would I read more things? Like, reviews. Okay, well, some, some of them mention you. Do they? Yeah. Um, well, to be honest, Albert, a lot of them mentioned me. There, there's more about me. Okay, well, let's not brag here. Uh, so we didn't do a reviewing the reviewers this season. I guess we'll do one next season. Um, and hey, actually, if we, if you guys leave reviews on the Green Book of Stories Amazon page, which we're looking for, trying to get more reviews on there, then Jeffrey can review those. Okay, no, no, no. Don't leave a review on the Green Book page. Well, why? But it's useless because the podcast ones are the ones that matter. Those are the ones about me. Well, they can leave a review about you on the Green Book. Okay, if you're going to leave a review on the Green Book page, make sure you mention Jeffrey. Otherwise, don't do it. Okay, uh, that's not really... But we want them to leave a review to say if, how they enjoyed the book, right? Well, that's a little bit dangerous. Well, what do you mean? Well, what if they didn't like the book? Then they're going to leave a bad review. Okay, well, I mean, that's that's what happens when you put things out there. Sometimes people don't like things, and then they leave bad reviews, but sometimes people leave really good reviews that they like, and I think they're listening this much into the podcast, I think that they really like the books. So uh, all I'm saying... Well, okay, um, well, I think we should kind of take a step back here. A, a good review is one that mentions Jeffrey. Okay, a, a good review is one that mentions Jeffrey... And a bad review is one that doesn't. So, like, I don't, like, the amount of stars at what, did you hear that? Was that an airplane? That was, that was a car going by. I think you need better soundproofing in here. Look, Albert, one day we'll get a studio, and it'll be a real studio, and it'll be fantastic. But we're not talking about that. We're going to talk about the story, right? Poet Laureate, huh? Well, yeah, that was, it was, it was, um, it was a pretty great story. I wrote a pretty great poem. Um, before we talk about that, can we talk about the green book of stories? I think people are probably sick of talking about the green book. Wait, did you read it? I did. Yes. Oh, great. What'd you think? Well, I really liked Albert's piano lessons. That was maybe the best story I've ever read. Period. Oh, that was a, that was a good one. I was in it for like a little bit, but it was mostly about Albert. Yeah, that was honestly, uh... The price of the book is worth it for that story. Wow. Did you did you pay for your copy? Absolutely not. No, my parents did. My parents often buy me books in hopes that I'll read them, and then I don't. 
Okay, well, we've we've been over you not reading things. Uh, well, that, that's good. I'm glad that you enjoyed the piano lesson story. I worked a lot on that one. Uh, and we're going to be reading that next season with all the other ones. So I'll have you on and we can talk about it. But we did read Poet Laureate today. Um, so, Jeffrey, you want to talk a little bit about what inspired your your great poem? Well, okay. Thank you for asking. Um, okay. Uh, I have a really interesting process. I have to really process things. Um, there's a lot about, like, words. I like words a lot. And with this poem, I probably, it probably took me, like, two weeks of, like, like, I didn't sleep. I, I, I didn't sleep at all. You didn't sleep at all? No, I was just, I was just working on, like, like, I would try and go to sleep, and I'd be like, <gasps> there's that word. And then I'd run back, and I'd, like, scratch out, and I'd write another word, and I'd be, and I'd write another one, and then, and I'd write another one, and then. It was just, it was a process, and it was long. Okay, I, I, I get that. Um, and you were really into it, huh? Oh, totally. So have you, do you write a lot of poetry? Nope. Uh, uh, you, have, have you written many poems since then? Nope. Uh, n- none? No, nope, none at all. Well, what, I thought you... Well, I wanted to be the Poet Laureate. That's why I worked on that. And I was. I was the Poet Laureate. For like a little bit. Yeah, well, I everyone liked my poem, Albert. Yeah, but then it got dumb because then we had to do stuff with it. Like we had to copy it out and it became homework and then I hated it. Okay, well, I think they read the story, so they know. And But it doesn't, the, the, poem, the poem was still good. It was a really good poem. Okay, it was a really good poem. And then, but, but, but then it became a bad poem. But it was good. It was really good for a little bit, for, for a little bit there, Mr. Tom, it was like the best poem ever. It was the best. It was, it looks, I, I think everyone, the boys really liked it, right? There's something about it being nonsense. And, Wait, what do you mean? Well, it, it didn't make any sense. The poem didn't make any sense. What? No, it made perfect sense. It was about Monkey Joe. It was about, it was about, um, a grandma going splat and mushy peas. And, and Mr. L said the, the, for, 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 bit, for gility, um, the, the agility, the agility of, of, be, of beautiful, beautiful, beauty, beautiful things. Yeah, I don't think you understood what he was saying. Well, it was he was saying a lot of smart things about the poem because it was a smart poem. Okay, it was a pretty smart poem. People liked it. People really liked it. Well, I liked it until I, until I had to do homework on it. Uh, okay, well, how about this, Albert? What what did you like about the poem? I appreciated the fact that it was stupid, and I liked saying it. Okay. Um, well, it wasn't. Uh, I, I'm gonna excuse me. It, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't stupid. It was. It was. It was a very intelligent. I, I, in the story, it was described as genius. Actually, as genius, genius poem. And and in my understanding of the word genius, um, genius does not mean stupid. So there you go. Well, Jeffrey, it was a poem about. It, it, it made no sense at all, which was cool. I really liked that. That was awesome. And I, I was very impressed when I first hear, heard you say it. I honestly, I did not think that someone as dumb as you could think of a poem like that. Okay, well, that's Jeff. Really? You, you, you think so? Yeah. Yeah, I was super impressed that someone who is, who is so dumb as you could think of a poem like that. Wow, Albert, I'm just, I'm touched. Uh, okay, that's, uh, the, Albert, that's not... Totally a compliment. Uh, well, I he seems to be very touched by it. I I just I, you know I try really hard on the poem. And I, I'm just so thrilled that you that you that you really you thought that you thought that someone as dumb as me couldn't think of. But I did I did think of it. You did yes, and I was very impressed. Well, thanks thanks Albert. 
Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you're like you're like my best friend ever. Please don't touch me. Okay, um nope, that's you guys uh why don't why don't why don't we move on? This is kinda awkward. Uh Albert seems to have moved to a different side of the room when Jeffrey patted his arm. I just I'm just very excited. I I love my friends. Okay, that's nice to have friends. Um, that's that's great. Albert, you can come back. Well, I don't want to come back if he's going to do weird things. Well, he's not doing weird things. He's just excited. I think he went for a high five. You didn't high five him, so he patted your arm, and then you uh, moved to the other side of the room. Yes, because I don't like being touched. Okay, well, that's good. That's that's great. A lot of people don't like being touched. That's fine. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna move on now. We're gonna move on with the with the poem. Maybe Jeffrey, you can tell us where where did you come with the, up with the idea of Monkey Joe. Well, when you have ideas that are just, like, super inspiring, they just hit you. It just comes out of nowhere, you know? Like, you're just thinking, like, hmm, what, what's my next idea going to be? And then, boom, mushy peas. Boom. Grandma goes splat. And then you're like, this is, this is poetry. That was very poetic. When, that was, when my, fav- my favorite part of the poem was when, was when the grandma went splat. That was that was beautiful. I I almost cried. Oh, thanks, Albert. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Uh, well, I'm glad that we liked the poem again. Uh, and I I'm not sure how much more we're gonna get out of this. So, Jeffrey, thank you for the poem. Thank you for this wonderful story. I'm glad both you guys like the Green Book of Stories. And thank you guys for being on the podcast so much this season. I I what did you have fun? I had so much fun. I didn't cry once. Um, oh, Mr. Tom, I want to answer more questions. Yeah, we we still have a lot of questions. Um, there were like, you know, there was someone was saying like, what's your favorite color? Um, black. I really like black because there's no color in it. Okay. Well, that's nice. Well, I like all colors, like like all of them together. Well, that that also would be black or a brownish black. No, no, no. Like 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 every single color but separate like a big wheel of color that's my favorite color that's you can't well i think if someone's asking the question they want to choose one but we're not doing questions right now i'm sorry uh we just we we don't have enough time can you do another uh a, a recorded one just one just do one recorded one um well it's hard to choose cuz there are so many just choose it just do one right now okay Am I doing the podcast or are you? I just, well, I'd really like a recorded one too. And then we can end. And then that'll be a nice way to end the season. Okay, you guys, well, you know, I like that you have ideas. That's good. I'm going to pull up a recorded podcast just for you, okay? Thank you. Well, okay, you're welcome. Hello, my name is Sam and I am from Ohio. I have a question for Jeffrey about fluffles. Why did you get a cat instead of another pet like a dog or a fish? I would also like to congratulate you on not crying in the last podcast episode. From your biggest peep, Sam. Wow, Sam's my peep. Okay, yeah, it sounds like Sam's totally your peep. When am I? I have a lot of I have a lot of peeps. They're on my podcast peeps, and Sam's the biggest one. He's the biggest peep. Ah, I I, I guess he is. Um, and what? I'm sorry. What is that? It means he's like he's like a peep. He's like a peep. One of my people. But like peep is like a cool way of saying people, but he's a big peep, like a like peep, you know, you know, Albert, you know, like a peep. I have no idea what you are talking about. Can you just answer the boy's question, please? 
Oh, yeah, okay. Um, well, uh, Sam, hi, Sam, peep, uh, from Ohio, wow. You know, Ohio is a country that... Nope, it's a state. We're not going to get into geography. This always happens. Um, I really wish you would look at a map. Well, you know, Ohio is a cool state, Mr. Tom, because it's like, oh, hi! Oh, right? You're like, oh, hi! Like, oh, hi! Hi, how's it going, Sam? Oh, hi, Sam! Oh, hi! Oh, Ohio! 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 Does he always do this with questions? Yeah, Jeffrey gets a little bit, um, he really likes answering questions. Oh, hi, uh. I really regret asking for a voice recording. I really regret that. Um, anyway, one thing, Sam, is you're wrong. What? I'm, I'm sorry, you're... Yeah, he's wrong. He needs to, he needs to check his facts. Because he's wrong. He's wrong. Wrong. Wrong, Sam. Wrong. Go back to Ohio. You're wrong. Well, he's still in Ohio. Um, he didn't leave. He just, what is he? I never cry on the podcast. I will ever, but on the podcast. I would never cry in the podcast. So he congratulated me for not crying. So thank you, Sam. That was right. But then he said, like, he insinuated that I would, that I would cry another, but I don't. I, I, I don't cry. Do you say insinuate? Yeah. Well, you know, I have a good vocabulary, Albert. I just don't cry. You always, literally every episode, you cry. And then that's why I listen to your episodes. Because honestly, sometimes um, Mr. Tom can get kind of boring. Well, hey, okay. I mean, what do you mean? Like, you like the story. Well, I like the stories, but like your introductions are kind of long sometimes. So like, I'll skip through. Anyway, I skip to where uh, Jeffrey cries. And then I listen to that like again and again. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Well, I, that, that's funny to me because, uh, it's the reason, the reason that's funny is because I never cry. So I don't know what, what portions of the, of the episodes you're even talking. Well, here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll download those, those episodes and I will cut out those portions and I will make a compilation of just you crying like a baby in front of a microphone. That, that, that is not, that is not a nice thing for my best friend to do. And I don't appreciate that. Okay, guys, we're not going to... Let's... Do we answer Sam's question? Sam, Sam wants to know why you didn't... Why you don't have a, a different pet, right? That was his That was his question. Why Why did you choose a cat? Well, Fluffles is like the coolest cat in the world. Why wouldn't I choose Fluffles? Well, Fluffles is pretty cool. I love Fluffles. I, I love Fluffles. Yeah, we, we heard the story. We know you love that. It's like the cutest thing in the world. Yeah, we know. We get it. We that, But Jeffrey, why, why not have another pet? Why not a dog or a fish? Well, um, I would have a dog if it was as cute as Fluffles, and it's not. I would have a fish if it was as cute as Fluffles, and it's not. Also, I eat fish. Okay. Um, I mean, people have fish as pets. Well, I wouldn't want to have a pet that I eat, because then I'd be tempted to eat it. Uh, no one... Wait, what? What do you... Well, you know, because I like the taste of fish. If I had a fish, I'd be like, oh, I'm kind of hungry. Guess I'll eat it. No, you you wouldn't eat your pet... You... Wait, you would eat a pet fish? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm capable of. And maybe I, when I'm hungry... My mom always says this. When I'm hungry, I get super grumpy, right? So if I'm really hungry and grumpy, and there's a little guppy 
in my fishbowl who's been uh, in my fishbowl for a while just sitting there. He's a little goldfish. And maybe I'd take him out of my fist and I'd bring him downstairs and I'd take... Wait, I'm sorry. Are you describing a situation that has happened? Did, did you used to have a, a, a fish in your room named Guppy? No comment. Oh my gosh. He ate his own pet fish. No, no. I, I just... um Albert, I... Uh, Mr. Mr. Tom, I don't want I don't want to talk about this in front of the microphone. Well, you're the one that brought it up. No, I I I I. Okay, um, I forget the name of, of the nice peep that is from Ohio, and asked me this, but I, my answer is the ki- the kitten is cute, and that is why I have a cat. And also, I would not have a pet that I would eat because I wouldn't want to eat a pet again. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I think that's a great way to end season two. <laughs> that is the Boy Stories podcast. Um, thank you all for, I can't believe that Jeffrey. No, no, we're not going to talk about that. We, that was a fun story, fun story. And, um, and what, you know, Green Book of Stories is out. Go on Amazon, get it, leave a review, leave a review with my name. Only leave a, if you don't leave, if you don't mention Jeffrey in your review, then there's no point. Well, you know, there are other stories, uh, besides the stories with you in them. Well, they're the best. Honestly, um, I was not impressed with the stories that didn't have me in them, but the ones that had me in them were the best. Okay, uh, fine. And Albert liked the piano lesson one, and we liked some of the stories. I think they're really fun stories. I think everyone will like them. Um, and then we'll soon be reading them on season three. So make sure you subscribe so you get season three. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. This really had... So like he ate he ate his fish. He You... Jeffrey, you ate the fish that was... How long had you had it for? Uh, a couple of, couple of months. A couple of months? You, like, fed it? Yeah, and, and... And its name was... You named it. Yeah, its name was Guppy. And what? how did you prepare it? Well, um, I, I took a frying pan out, and I'm not supposed to use the stove, but... Okay, nope, we're done. We're not having that conversation. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. Why don't you take that outside? I have so many questions. Okay, I'm sure you do. I do, too. Uh, let's say bye to the fans. Thank you guys so much for listening. It's been great. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I, I, I can't even think about anything else besides Jeffrey eating his own. Bye. Bye podcast peeps. Uh, you're all wonderful. Ohio is a cool place to be. And so is everywhere where you're from. And I hope you all have a great summer. Well, summer's over. Um, they're going back to school. Oh my gosh. Really? Yeah. Yep, they're all going back to school. So I feel so sad for you. Well, that's okay. I think they'll be fine. Anyway, we got to end this podcast. And thank you guys for coming in. It's been great. This has been a Boy Stories podcast production written and performed by the author Tom Longano. The Red Book of Stories and the Blue Book of Stories are available on Amazon.com. You can also get signed author copies on TomLongano.com. This podcast has been produced by the legendary George Martin and... If you like the podcast, please do leave a rating and a review, whether on the Apple Podcast site or if you like the stories, you can leave a rating and a review on Amazon. We read all the reviews and uh, we really, really appreciate them. Uh, Please do share with friends as well. And if you have any questions uh, for Tom Longano or any of the characters and you'd like your question to be featured on a podcast, uh, you can... Email Tom Longano through the contact portal on TomLongano.com. You can also record a voice message on Anchor, and then you will get your voice on the podcast. Very exciting. Thank you so much for listening. This has been so much fun for us, and we hope it is just as much fun for you. See you next time.